All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there. If you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month, and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom Chat. That link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get 
Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Megan, welcome to the Real Sober Mom Chats. I'm excited to hear your story. And before we hear where you're at with sobriety and all of it, let's go back. Let's talk about alcohol. And first, maybe tell me where are you and just tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. And you have kids? I have one son. He's five. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good age. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, He's a lot of fun. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about alcohol. Let's go back. Yes. Kind of a boring story, honestly. I did not grow up around alcohol a whole lot or drinking. Like my parents didn't drink a whole lot. Like none of the men in my family drank. There's a lot of stories of like, like my grandpa, my dad, like drinking too much one night and getting drunk and being hungover and saying they were never going to drink again and then actually did it. Wow. And then like the women in my family would drink like on holidays and stuff, but it was always like silly and fun and not rowdy or you know, I didn't feel anything by it. Like I wasn't affected by it as a child. So I think I was kind of lucky in that way. You know, I didn't, yeah, it just wasn't like a part of our daily life. Like they didn't, nobody had super strong, like moral opinions about it. It just wasn't something that a lot of the people I was around did, or, or if they did, I wasn't aware of it. So I had my first drink when I think I was like 12. My parents would keep like beer in the fridge for like their friends if they came over. And there was a bunch of skunky beer that they were literally like pouring down the drain and getting rid of. And I was like, I want to try it. And they're like, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. So this is so interesting because you grew up when alcohol was like not normalized. People weren't drinking. Mm -hmm. But then you still at 12 were like, well, let me try it. And then they were just, they were there when you tried it me just like have a sip of skunky beer that they were literally getting rid of. And I was like, that's gross. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) So when I was 15, I went to Italy with my grandma and my aunt. My aunt was in college and she was studying there. And we were in Florence and we went to this really nice restaurant and my grandma and my aunt ordered wine and I knew that I could like legally drink because it was Italy and I was like can I get a glass of wine and they were like yeah go for it so they're like do you want red, <laughs> red or white and I was and, and in my mind like red wine was I don't know epitome of like class I, just right. from what I like absorbed yeah, like TV. fancy yeah So I was like, oh, red wine is what I want. And I took a sip and I thought it was a joke. I like thought they were playing a trick on me and got me like disgusting wine. And no, it's just wine doesn't actually taste good. (laughs) Yeah, it just really tastes bad. That's why we have to like continue to drink it. And and, like it's acquired taste. Yeah. Getting ahead of myself. But yes, I trained myself to like it. And that's what we do, you know. So that was 15. I drank like a handful of times in high school, but it wasn't like a big part of my teenage years, really. 
Yeah. And did those times, like, were you more like, oh, okay, this is gross. This isn't anything that I want. Or it was just kind of like in and out. No, I was not that evolved. I was like, (laughs) I'm supposed to like this. I watched enough TV and movies. And I, even though like my parents weren't doing it, like there were all sorts of things my parents weren't doing that I didn't care about. I didn't want to be my parents, you know, like. (laughs) That's so interesting. So it's like, even when your parents don't drink, and if we're not having that conversation around alcohol, which of course back then like no one was. Right. And so even if your parents aren't doing it, you're like, yeah, well, they're boring and dull. Yeah. Like they don't know what's cool. You know, they don't know like, what's cool. I didn't look yeah. to them for like what I should be doing. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We think that our kids are gonna be like, we're the North Star, you guys. Like yeah. and our kids are gonna be like, no, I don't no. want to be anything like you. Honestly, I'm a little worried that like my kid's gonna want to drink because I <laughs> Right. I right. Like, well, I don't want to be like which I don't think will actually be. But the I case, think it's just but- about like talking about it right yeah. and like having a conversation and like that's what was missing when we grew up totally. is that yeah. it was just like zero conversation right and like i said like they didn't have a moral objection to it there was just like no lessons instilled in me yeah. about yes. it like one way or the other so in high school it was around at like parties but i wasn't going to a whole lot of parties and i wasn't like seeking it out i wasn't like trying to get my hands on some so it just didn't take up a lot of space in my teenage years that's kind of like my story too like in high school it was like yeah if you're at a party or whatever and yeah. then you're going to drink but unless you're like i'm not like going in the liquor cab i don't even know if we had a liquor right. cabinet so i didn't really start drinking until like my early 20s i was wow the oldest of my friends and so by the time all my friends turned 21 i was 22 And so I didn't like hit the like bar scene, you know, and like going out into my early 20s. And then I just was like in it, you know, I was like, this is what we do. I lived in a really small town. It's just kind of what we did once we were in that age. So many like Long Island iced teas for like $2 on a Tuesday. Like, yeah, like those crazy prices, which is very clearly just designed to get people drunk, right? Right. And like the women drink free night, which is so problematic or ladies night or like that ladies can drink. It's like, oh my God, that is just so very clearly problematic. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So in my early 20s, my like late early 20s, I started dating somebody who was older and they were a wine drinker. And this is my entrance into like wine world. I did have to like train myself to like it. Uh, I started with like white wine and then, you know, made my way to red. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I, I like this. And it didn't occur to me that like, no, you don't like this. You just have like trained yourself to like not be repulsed by it. Right. And, and you do get used to that. Always after pregnancy, like when I would go – because I, I loved a cab, right? Yeah. Like a deep, mm-hmm. like a full-bodied cab. And then I'd always after pregnancy, like that first glass of wine, I'd be like, oh, my God, you could just taste the alcohol. Yes. Yeah. And then I was like, how did I ever like this? And then like you said, you just have to – yes. You, Power you're like, okay, I just got to get <laughs> – yeah, I just got to get through this hump where it's – I'm really tasting like how awful this is. I know. And it was the same thing after my pregnancy too. I had like that first drink after I had my son, I had like four sips of and it went right to my head, you know, like I was like immediately kind of like had that like buzzed feeling and I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. 
And of course, like it didn't occur to me. You know what I mean? Like, why wasn't that a sign? <laughs> well, it, do- it, do- it doesn't. Like, it didn't to me either. I was just like, okay, I know I have, you know, I've had three babies. I know I have to just get past this part and then get to the good stuff, which what's the good stuff, guys? Because the good stuff's pretty shitty. Yeah, the good stuff <laughs> is like poor sleep. Yes. Increased anxiety, poor sleep. Yeah. So when I dated this wine drinker, I started drinking wine. And I think maybe because I was like, I don't know, like 24 or something. Like, I don't think a lot of my friends were really wine drinkers at that point. So it was kind of like unique that I was drinking wine. Totally. They were still drinking their Long Island iced teas. Yes. And they were like, well, how are you drinking this? This is delicious. How are you drinking this? And I felt so like sophisticated, you know, yes, and like, yes. like glamorous. And, and then it became part of my personality. Mm-hmm. I think part of that was like, I don't know, like I have like naturally kind of a self-deprecating sense of humor. And so it was really easy for me to be like, oh, I've got to have my wine to like get through this or, you know, whatever. And, And then I was living in Austin, Texas, which is like there's just alcohol everywhere. I think part of it is like just being in Texas, like no one's going to tell anyone in Texas what they can or cannot do. Right. And so you can drink anywhere basically. And, but, and then another part of it was Austin, which is supposed to be this like really cool, like hip town. And so you could drink everywhere and it felt cool. So then it just really became part of my personality because it was everybody's personality there. It was like we were all in our 20s and living in this like young professional like utopia. I mean, I don't think there's any place better for someone in their mid 20s to live if that's your like scene. And that's where I met my husband. And so like our relationship was kind of founded on this lifestyle. And we were not, we were not and never really got to the point of like, like I was not getting hammered all the time. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But it was just like a constant flow of alcohol. Well, intolerance plays a part too, right? Because if you're drinking, if you're just constantly drinking an addictive substance, you're going to gain tolerance and then you're going to drink more. Like that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Totally. Yeah. So it was just kind of always there. And then- we moved to Baltimore and then we got married and our wedding, we, we just had like beer and wine and, and we made like a sangria or something because we didn't want people getting like hammered and whatever. So right. we like kept it simple. But then we, so we bought all the wine ahead of time and then we had a ton left over that we just took home with us. And that's when it became like part of my nightly routine because it was just always there. And it was like already paid for, you know, because we just had cases of it in our apartment. So I'd come home and just have a glass or two of wine. Again, like I'm not drinking, I wasn't even drinking. Like I never got to the point where I was drinking an entire bottle of wine a night. I was having two or three glasses. It was just this like steady stream. And then I don't know what happens to us when we like get into our 30s, but that's when I noticed the sleep, the like waking up in the middle of the night, just like insomnia. And I never dealt with that before. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, why can't I tolerate this? 
<laughs> anymore. Like, Did you connect it to the alcohol? Seemed obvious to me. I didn't like do any research or anything, but it, I just started to like notice, you know, like this isn't going how it used to go. This isn't as fun as it used to be. I'm like suffering the consequences of my own actions now. <laughs> and like, right. And then in 2018, I had my son. And we found out when I was pregnant with him that he had Down syndrome. So I knew like just through research that there would maybe be like associated health risks and things like that. So when when he was born, I he was born with just my like anxiety being kind of like higher right. and um, a little more stressed out. And he did have some like health things when he was born. He had a feeding tube placed when he was two months old. And then when he was four months old, he had open heart surgery. And that's when like the drinking switched from just like, oh, this is like fun to do in the evenings to like unwind to like, I need to like numb some things. Yeah, because that's hard. I can't imagine how hard that is. Yeah, it it was a lot. And I just, I just needed to like, thought I needed to just turn my brain off. And the thing is, like you, you did. Yeah, right. I hope you can have compassion. Like I hear your story. And then I'm like, Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, when when society tells us that this helps with that, right. And that's what we're told. And we need help. And you were very stressed and anxious and scared. And that's so understandable. Like, well, that just makes sense then. Like, of course you would turn to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that was the whole, you know, even before I had him or before I was pregnant, I was like excited for mommy wine culture. I was on board. Mm. I was like, I'm ready for this. And the quantity of my drinking didn't really change, but it was just, yeah, the like why did. And that to me was icky, you know, like it wasn't enough to like really change anything, but I was like, it just wasn't as like fun, you know, like, and then, I mean, do we need to talk about COVID? Cause like, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that right. happened to everybody. Right. And I had already spent so much time thinking about all the ways my kid could die. <laughs> and then, mm. I, you know, just like one more was thrown on top of it. And it was just like, is me going to the grocery store going to like, kill my kid sort of yeah. thing, you know, like, we just didn't know. Yeah. I know it's hard to put ourselves back. You know, we, we look at it through the lens of what we know now. And it was not that. Right. So not that we didn't know anything yeah. and we were, of course, scared. And then you going through all of this and then, yeah, throw that on. Yeah. And like, I just – God. And then like – so I also – like during COVID, my husband's a teacher. So he was home like over a, like a year and then – and I was working as a nanny still. But then COVID hit and I was like, well, my husband's home. Like it felt weird for like me to be the one to leave, you know, to – potentially bring this back in to bring COVID into our home. It's like my husband's home. So I stopped working and that was just really hard on me. And then all of a sudden we can get like alcohol delivered. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was just like so many blurred lines there that it became impossible to play 
the already impossible moderating game of like, like, oh, I'm not going to drink on Monday through Thursday. And it's like, why the hell not? Like, right. You're like, it's, I don't even (laughs) know what day it is. It doesn't matter what time it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like I never was much of a day drinker anyway, because it just made me sleepy and which I was grateful for, because I know a lot of people that it like didn't affect in that way. And if it didn't make me sleepy, I probably would have. I don't know. So then I had some time during COVID, I had a um, like an OB appointment and she asked how much I was drinking. And I was never one to like lie. I was like, I just, I want to know. And I didn't feel like I was drinking more than anybody else. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, I guess I have like on average two glasses of wine a night. So I was like, well, 14. And she was aghast. Like, what? Right, because no one tells the truth. And then, all, and now all of a sudden I'm like having to just, I'm like justifying it. I'm like, I'm like having two glasses of wine a night. And she's like, that's too much. Okay. Okay. I always want healthcare practitioners to like, because a lot of times they just don't touch it, right? right. They're just like, oh, are, like, mm-hmm. are you a, drinking socially? Great. Okay, let's move on, which of course during COVID they can't say drinking socially. So I wonder what they asked actually. But then if you're saying like, well, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm having two glasses of wine. And like, I just don't think aghast is the right uh, response. <laughs> Did it feel judgmental? Kind of. Well, yeah. And then I got kind of defensive about it. And at the time I was seeing a therapist and I think this is probably worth noting too, because I have struggled with depression, anxiety a lot throughout my life. I started taking antidepressants when I was 16. So this like predates alcohol for me. So at the time I was seeing a therapist. So I went home and I, I had an appointment with her and I was like, let me get her perspective on this. And I told her how much I was drinking and then the doctor's response. And she's like, no, that's, you're fine. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, I know that's not right either. Like I knew enough just existing in the world. We know enough to know that like alcohol is bad for depression and anxiety. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know like how bad. But like, I knew enough to know that like my therapist should maybe have a different perspective. And this just points to like, it just requires more conversation. Like we talked about before, like more just questions. So then if the doctor was like, okay, and how do you feel it affecting you? You know, like, let's talk about like, okay, so here's what I know about alcohol is, you know, rather than like being a gas, because then you are going to feel like you need to defend it. And like, that's already not putting you in a great situation. And so instead, just like talking about it and with your therapist, rather than her being like, it's okay, which we probably by her response, can kind of tell her relationship with alcohol too, yeah, right? Yep. Like, because everybody brings their stuff into exactly. it. And so, right, instead just being like, oh, okay, well, yeah, so if you're bringing it to me, there might be something, is there something in you that is maybe wondering about this and curious about? Let's explore this. Yeah, like Right, like let's, rather like, than, yes. Yeah, yes. I know. And now, like, therapists should just know better. I mean, like, Yeah, this is not like an opinion thing. You know what I mean? Like, this is not something that like, people who don't drink think like, oh, drinking is bad for anxiety. Like, no, we know this, like, this is science, like, this is clear. And 
no mental health professional should be telling you that it's okay. You know, like, yeah, not saying that whatever they need to like tell you to be sober or something, but like, no, but it needs to be a conversation. It needs to be a conversation. Yeah. If we're talking about our mental health, we have to talk about it. You have yeah. to. It's all about informed consent. Even if it's just like, hey, just so you know, this is making your depression worse. Yeah. People deserve to know that. Well, I'm first of all, just let me say I'm proud of you. This takes a lot of advocating for ourselves. And a lot of times we don't do that because we do just blindly trust professionals because yeah. we've been taught to do that, right? And so you telling the truth to your doctor took a lot of balls, not because you were drinking, quote unquote, a lot or anything or nothing to be ashamed of, but just because generally we don't do that, right? When when we're asked about our alcohol. And then also you then like bringing it to another healthcare professional and being like, okay, I want to talk about this. And no matter what her response was, does like the fact that you did those two things is amazing. Well, I think like part of me, I have some like health anxiety too. And they're not, they're not in my home. They're not like actually gonna, they don't have any weight over me. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tell you this because I want like accurate information coming back to me, you know? Yes. Because it's my health. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, that's just kind of been my attitude. Then I was like, okay, like I have one doctor telling me it's terrible. I have another one telling me it's fine. So I'm just going to shoot in the middle and kind of like go back to like, okay, maybe I'll just try to like drink on the weekends or whatever, you know, like. Right. Now we now we create rules, yeah. right? And we're like, okay, well, I I'm still I'm not any clearer on this, so let me just try to control it more. Exactly. And it was I think like summer 2021, I was on my like Instagram and I saw a post of yours and it just said wine makes motherhood harder. And I was like I have never heard that. Like wait a second. That actually tracks. Yeah. And no one no one ever says that. <laughs> and I was just like, "Huh? That's wild to think about." Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I, I'm glad it found you. Yes. Yeah. I know it was so wild and random cuz it's not something I had sought out. Like I wasn't like Right. Like the algorithm wasn't trained yet. No, like I wasn't yeah, I wasn't looking up like sober hashtags or anything like that. It was just but I was just like scrolling through and I saw wine makes motherhood harder. And I was just like, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. And then I was in a bookstore once and I saw Quit Like a Woman. And I was like, huh. So I was in this, like, chat with a couple of, like, friends who were, who were trying to, like, motivate each other to, like, exercise and stuff. And I was like, hey, I saw this book. I think I'm going to read it. Anybody interested in doing, like, a book club? No, full stop. No. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Just like not interested. And so I was like, okay. So I ended up just reading it on my own. And I was like, okay, like, but it's kind of slowly and whatever. 
And you were drinking all along, right? Yeah. Because I think that's important to note too, is like just all of these little building blocks, this isn't some like just overnight, it's like we're done. It's just like these like little like seeds planted along the way as you're still drinking yeah. and moderating and doing all the things. And not yeah. moderating sometimes too. Like, it, right. yeah. So well, that's what moderating is, right? Exactly. <laughs> like we do it till we don't and then we make more rules and then we do it till we don't. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, for timeline perspective, this was, like, kind of summerish 2021, and I didn't stop drinking until August 2022. So, we've got another year. Yes. Great. <laughs> yes. That's, I love that. I love this story. Yeah. Yeah. This is where so many people are. It's the most important one it's to tell. so common. And I say that all the time. These stories where you haven't lost everything to alcohol, you haven't even lost what society would consider something much, right? No. But you know that you haven't lost nothing. You know that you've lost more than nothing. And it's that in-between of just that shame is the same, the 3 a.m. wake up is the same. It's all the same. And it's this story that is like crucial, I think. Yes. So I'm like, okay, like let's just keep figuring this out, you know? And like – nothing else in my life was changing. So I didn't feel any need to like make any comfortable changes with my alcohol consumption. I wasn't, you know, so I didn't. Then I listened to this naked mind. And, you know, the beginning of that book, she says, like, don't stop drinking. And I was like, won't. Yep, like, this <laughs> is the know? one for like, me. Yeah. Right? Step one. Got Done. it. And I say, like, it just ruined it for me. I mean, I continued to drink again, like almost for a whole other year. But it just ruined it for me because I just learned so much about how bad it is for you. Like, yes, just not in the obvious ways that, like I said, I feel like I just kind of absorbed over time. Like, well, yeah, we know it like makes your sleep shit, you know, like, yeah, that's not news to anyone. But like the cancer stuff, you know, like it's just wild, you know? And like I said, like, I already have some like health anxiety and stuff. And and I'm already, you know, I have a kid with a disability. I already panic about like, what would happen if something happened to me? You know, why am I like upping my odds significantly? Like not minimally, not like. Which is probably what we thought before, right? It's like, well, I know this isn't great, but it's not, you know, I also eat sugar or if you eat red meat, it's like, well, it's just like that. It's like, no, it's not. It's not. It's so bad. It is so bad. And I just didn't know. And so then it was like, oh, well, shit. Like I know at this point I'm never going back. I'm not, I can't like mentally go back. You can't unlearn that, you know, like I can't go back to drinking how I was before. And so now I'm like, well, okay. Now every time I drink, it like sucks. (laughs) Because it does change. It's yeah. As long as you go into it saying, okay, let's see, just tell me the truth. Let's see what alcohol is. It will change your mind forever about alcohol. Yeah. Whether you like it or right, not, unfortunately. Right. Whether you so, want it to or uh, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, if you're at that point where, yeah, you want alcohol to be ruined for you, I think that's yes. the place to start. That doesn't mean – I mean, I know a lot of people who listen to or read that book and then they're just like done and that was not my situation. But I did – one thing I picked up from that book was that 
like moderating was not going to happen. And so I honestly, I go like months without drinking and then just go like buck wild. And I'm like, there's no point. Right. I'm not going to try to <laughs> right. You're like, well, if I can't moderate, moderate this, but that's, this is an interesting point because alcohol can still be ruined for you while you're still drinking it. Right. Like yep. you still, yep. it's just, you, you're not going to go back to that naive drinker that you were before as much as you want to. You're just not going to, right? And so that doesn't right. mean that your drinking is just going to stop overnight, but you're going to know and notice yes. and feel a lot more. Yes. And so in December, I I started like trying to experiment with it a little bit. So I decided to get through like the holiday season and Christmas without alcohol. Well, how good for you. So I did that and we, you know, we had like Christmas parties with friends and we did Christmas morning and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't miss it. You know, yes. like I still had fun and I didn't feel like I was missing out. Which that surprised you, right? That you didn't feel like you're, cause, cause you yeah. probably thought yeah. that you would just because that's yeah. what we've been told. Okay. And I would have like preemptive anxiety about it, like before parties where I was like sad that I wasn't going to be drinking. So like I did experience like some disappointment, but then like once people came and we were all chatting and stuff, then it was fun. Yes. I love this so much. I love this so much. This is exactly what it takes. Like yes. you made the decision and you're like, okay, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to feel whatever feelings come. And yes, with that comes disappointment, discomfort, all of that stuff. But then if you just stick with it and you're like, oh, wow, I am feeling disappointed right now that I'm not going to drink. It goes away. The motion yeah. and emotion kicks in, right? And you're like, oh, okay, I'm having fun. Look at me having fun without alcohol. Yeah. I didn't like tell anybody because I didn't want to have a conversation about it. And so like we hosted friends, like a little friends holiday party. And so I just had a little like festive looking Honestly, it was just ginger beer. That, that's all I drank. That's a good, I yeah. love ginger beer. Yeah. With like a pretty little cranberry garnish. Everybody thought it was like a mule or something, you know? And nobody asked and nobody cared. And I just like sipped on that all night long and had fun and then went to bed and slept great. And, you know, and then same thing with like Christmas, you know, Christmas Eve, we like stayed up and did the Christmas Eve thing. And then I got up the next morning and felt great on Christmas morning isn't it the best? Yeah. Yes, it was the best. Yes. I mean, did I then drink on New Year's Eve? Yes, absolutely. Because you were in <laughs> your data I collection. Did. See, I think this is a great point. Yes. You were like, okay, I'm going to give myself a chance to see this, right? Okay, I got this. And, you know, we fall back into some habits. If we're just like, okay, now we're going to do this to see. That's. I think this is all very, very important. Yes, it was. So we did Christmas, just my husband and I and our son. And then my in-laws came a couple of days later. And that's when I like started drinking again. Not like, not like because of them, it's like the when they showed up guys, and drinking, but like. It's the no, I'm kidding. I love my in-laws. But, but, yeah, I love my in-laws But too, it is but. true. Like I've heard of about this too, when we're like, okay, I'm going to do this period, right? And I'm just going to focus on this. And then it's kind of like defenses are down a little bit. And it's like, then you, it can feel like, oh, okay, I got through that. And then it makes such sense. Then you kind of slip back in. It's that groove that we talk about, right? 
feel like a relief when I just drank again. I was like, oh, yes. right. Like, okay. right. Like, I did that and now I'm doing this and I'm, you know, yep. but it was just kind of like that fog that I didn't like. And so then we, my husband like kind of showed interest in doing a dry January. So I was like, I'll do dry January. Like I just honestly, an excuse to not drink. <laughs> like at this point I was like looking like, for like permission not to drink. Yeah. But yes, it still just wasn't like you can just decide that on your own. <laughs> right. Because we think we have to fall into a category. And if we're not in yeah, that category. You feel like you need a reason to not drink. Like you don't need a reason not to drink. Your reason not to drink can just be because you don't want to. And then like the rest of that winter and spring and like early summer was just doing like a big chunk of time not drinking and then some time drinking without with no attempt to moderate because I just that was obvious to me that like that wasn't going to work and it was just like a lot of back and forth I was actually spending a lot of that time not drinking but it was just like you know it'd be like a couple of weeks and then a weekend of drinking and then a, you know what I mean like that sort of like chunk and every time I'm like why can you just not do this like can you just stop like what is wrong with you nothing let me just note, nothing is wrong with you, yes, that you are in that nothing, nothing. Yeah. Yes. And this to me is like the most important part of my story because there's so many people in this little window yes. and they think they're at the bottom. They think they're like the worst of the worst. And to me, it's like, this is it. This is what's doing it for you. This is what is going to make this work. There's no magic thing. It's like this little window, you feel so shitty, but like, that's it. That's what's going to do it for you. And so like, I just want to say that to everyone who posts that on your group or anyone out there who's listening, who like is in that right now. And is like, why can I not just do it? Like you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. And, <laughs> and you, what you didn't do is after your long stretches, after your couple of weeks of not drinking, and then when you drank on the weekends, it sounds to me like you didn't beat yourself up and you weren't then on Monday saying, ugh, I'm at day one again. I can't do this. Why is this so hard? Right? Like that. Because that can yeah. be very detrimental. You're just never at day one. And this whole – your year and a half, right? Your year, your year whatever of – okay, taking some breaks, going back, noticing, learning, trying again, trying something new, being like, oh, okay, here's, this is making me feel like this, all of that. And then going back to it again and being like, oh, wow, yeah. this makes me feel like shit. You're stumbling toward clarity and that's what it is. Otherwise you don't get it. You don't get the clarity. Yeah. That's exactly right. And then one of the big pushes for me was in the late summer, you know, like I said, I kind of adopted wine as my personality. Yeah. And I was kind of tired of like that being like Megan, you know, especially because I was spending so much time not drinking right. or thinking about not drinking all of these other people who are drinking just as much, if not more, are like kind of poking fun at me for like being the wine person. And I was just like, eh, 
I don't love that. And I don't, and, and I was like, you know, if I just stop, then they'll be forced to talk about something else. Yeah. You get to reclaim your, yourself. Like, yes, it'll be like forced to like see me in a different way or see other parts of me, you know? Um, I mean, honestly, I could have also done the like evolved mature thing and then like, hey, I don't like it anymore. When I know, but that's, that. I but, mean, like, you know, not no, there. I'm not there either. <laughs> I'm not there either. No, but it sounds like, if, yeah, yeah, it became like an, a struggle with you to say like, okay, what once, you know, felt free maybe and helped you kind of like is now feeling like a cage. Yeah. And I listened to your episode with Jody Chand. Mama Jotes, yep. She's hysterical. You guys were talking about like doing like dry months. Yeah. And, you know, whatever, which is kind of like basically what I was doing. Like I was doing like a dry month and then like a wet weekend, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And she said, I mean, I guess it's fine, but like, why do you keep doing the hard part over? And I was like, oh. I haven't actually gotten to the good part. Yes. Like that hadn't really occurred to me yet. It hadn't occurred to me that there were like other good things waiting. And so in late August, we had friends over for dinner. I had like three glasses of wine. We had a lot of fun. It was a great night. And it was just kind of unremarkable. I woke up the next day. I wasn't like super hungover. I wasn't super sick, but I was just kind of like lying on the couch and foggy and just kind of like ornery. And I was like, are we done? Like, can we, can we just like not feel like this again? And I honestly went into that day and weeks after just thinking like this was another this was just going to be like another dry month. But I was like, give yourself like two straight months because Jyoti said that I keep doing the hard part over. So I want to do longer and just see like what that second month, second straight month feels like. And I swear I got like a month and a half in and I was like, you were this close. Like you were this close to feeling this like, euphoric. (laughs) Like, for me, that's when it happened. And when it had been three months, that was like the end of November, we were getting into the holidays, and we were going home for Christmas. My husband and I had struggled with infertility for a couple of years and had just decided to just have our one and be happy. And I didn't want to go home and then not drink and have people interpret that as Mm. like being pregnant. I wasn't like ready for that. I was like, I'm just going to come out and say that I don't drink. Yes. So I just like came out and was like, Hey, I haven't been drinking for the past three months. It's been amazing. I don't really see myself going back. uh, And that's it. We're like a year and three months in now. <laughs> Look at that. A year just, a year later after she said that and she's still going strong. Your story is the most important one to tell because most drinkers, women drinkers, fall into this. And we just don't think we qualify for this big thing called sobriety, right? 
Right. Like yeah. we just think that we have to make it work and we have to, well, we'll take a break, but obviously we're not done because I can't, I don't qualify for sobriety. I'm not a quote unquote alcoholic, whatever the hell that is. Right. Women are going to hear the story. And if they are just looking for permission, like sometimes we just need permission. Here it is. Yeah. Yes. You can just decide it, you know, after a while, it's not even a decision. No. It's not something I think about. Which, again, like if you're in that 10th circle of hell that we call moderation and you can't even imagine probably not thinking about alcohol, just like think about that for a minute. Like the mental space that is freed up from not thinking about alcohol is bananas. And like not drinking gives you what every mother wants, right? It gives you better sleep. And more hours in the day. Yes, more time. I went grocery shopping at 7 p.m. Yes. last night. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I never would have done that when I was drinking wine. I already would have had, like, a glass of wine by then. I'm not going grocery shopping. Like, I am in couch mode now. Like, it just opens up so many, like, seemingly mundane things that, like, you don't think are a big deal. And then all of a sudden, it just makes everything better. It's so true. I'm so glad that you shared this. I'm I'm just so proud of you. And these stories where nothing catastrophic happened, you didn't yeah. lose everything, are just, I, I will continue to tell them over and over. And thank you for, for coming on here and sharing your story. And it's, it's going to help thousands of women who are right where you were and who are just like so close. I know. Yeah. And, you know, thanks for so much for having me. And honestly, your podcast is amazing and it is exactly what we need or needed in that, like, like I said, that little window, like I had this little butt in my ear constantly well, thank you. for having me. This was yeah. a real, real treat. Good. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.